a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad, Chris Taylor. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath and Chris Taylor. We're talking about postnatal depression today. This is a very important discussion, not just about postnatal depression, but mental health generally and postnatal anxiety. Did you know postnatal depression affects one in five new mothers in Australia and one in 10 new fathers as well? So it's pretty common. And there are some excellent resources out there to help new parents to work through it. Firstly, just just a very simple question about language that, that I sort of got a bit confused mm. with. Is there a difference between postnatal depression and postpartum depression? Postpartum's the same. It, it, what is, what's the preferred term? Well, postnatal depression, I think, is the more common term. Right. I would say probably medical people would use postpartum depression. Okay. For the purposes of this episode, we'll refer to it as postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. And then what are the differences between postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety? Do you know what? I don't know the answer. I mean, I'm happy to say this because it's like the chicken and the egg. If you're anxious, sometimes you get depressed. If you're depressed, you get anxious. And plus throw in the hormones of pregnancy. I don't think there's too many women around pregnant women who are not anxious. Do you agree? Of course. It's it's stressful. And men. It's, it's scary. And men. My partner, I don't mind sharing, had some episodes while she was pregnant. Touch wood, she's actually been extremely healthy postnatally. But yeah, she went through an episode in the second trimester and got really good help for it. And we actually think that some of the help she got for anxiety she experienced while pregnant may have actually helped stave off because she was identified as high risk for postnatal depression and she hasn't hasn't received any. So we actually think that the good therapy work she did during mm. pregnancy may have been really good to, to help make sure she didn't have any further concerns. Yeah. As a midwife, I've had a lot of women and men come to me and say, I'm feeling very anxious or I find parenting very hard or I'm anxious when the baby cries or I'm anxious when my partner goes to work Even men saying they feel anxious leaving home to go to work. Mm. There's so many parts of anxiety and postnatal or postpartum anxiety and depression. Clinical depression really needs treatment. You need treatment from a doctor or psychologist. You need to see someone not try and think it's going to wear off. When you're anxious and you're, you're ruminating constantly about you know, whether you're good enough or whether the baby's sleeping enough or people ask you questions or if you're not breastfeeding, if you are breastfeeding, all of these things go on in your mind, plus sleep deprivation. Mm. It's a lot to hold when you've had a baby for both men and women. There's a huge surrender of control, I think, when you have a child. Like, you know, in this day and age, all of us have sort of been encouraged by our bosses or our universities to, be, you know think we're invincible and think we're entitled to, you know, all these mm. things. And you do develop a kind of an alpha mindset. And then suddenly for the first time in your life, 
you know you can no longer live selfishly. It's not permissible to live selfishly. Yeah. You're now in charge of the care and safety and, yeah. and, and life, life yes. of another being. So, yes. you know, there's, a, there's a thousands of previously selfish people, and I, I'm using that sense in the literal sense of putting their self first. I don't mean they're, you know, heartless, but people who are self-centred suddenly letting go of that and putting someone else at the centre of their universe. If that doesn't come with a scary of anxiety, there's something wrong with it. Like, oh, Totally. And I had terrible anxiety, shocking, because everyone kept saying to me, oh, you're going to be fine. You know everything. Well, I hadn't had a baby and I hadn't been pregnant and I hadn't taken the baby home and it scared the living shit out of me, you know, and everyone kept saying that, you know, you're going to be fine. It's going to be easy for you. Well, it actually wasn't. It was very, very hard to do and to maintain a level of perfection because yeah. I knew what I was doing, you know, in the community. It was very hard. And I found ang- the anxiety overwhelming and the sleep deprivation and got some help, you know. It's interesting how even the smallest things can trigger it or bring anxiety or depression on. Like if the house is a bit untidy, if, if, if you've previously been quite house proud and, mm. you know, really prided yourself on a sparkling kitchen or whatever it is, suddenly that's all gone to pot because there's a there's an infant charging around the house. Suddenly your house looks like a bombsite. Yeah. And, yeah, for that can, tri- that can trigger, again, mm. lack of control because you can't control the cleanliness of your house anymore and that's just sort of like the first brick that falls off the wall and then mm. the others slowly tumble and before you know it you do have clinical anxiety that, as you say, there are very good counsellors or psychiatrists to deal with. Mm. I remember taking my son for a walk and I was down at the supermarket and a lady put her hand in the pram and touched him. It freaked me out. Seriously, I walked out of the supermarket with nothing and I, I think I got home in record time because the thought of someone potentially giving him a disease. Yeah. But that's how you think. And I remember that so clearly. It was it, it was just very difficult to to manage that. Let's rewind a bit further, Kath. Sort of want to start with the days after people give birth because almost all mothers experience what they call baby blues. What what are the baby blues and how long do they last? My sort of theory on baby blues is it's usually around day two or day three. And I believe it is just women feeling complete and utter relief. When you've had the baby and everyone's around and, you know, all of the, everyone's in and out and whether you have a vaginal birth or a cesarean section and you're breastfeeding, then all of a sudden a moment comes. (laughs) And this will make you laugh too. For me, I was watching Andrew Gaze play basketball and they won the grand final and his father was coaching, of course. Well, I'm not kidding. I cried for eight hours because <laughs> it wasn't because Andrew Gaze and the, and the Tigers won the first grand final. It was just something that made me feel very emotional. Right. I also think because women, when you're pregnant, we go through nine months of absolute worrying about this baby. Mm. Is it going to be okay? Yes. Is there yes. going to be something wrong with it? Did I eat something bad? If I had a glass of wine? You know, all of those things. And 
there's something that just triggers your emotion and you cry. And you can cry for a long time, as in hours. And for men, I really believe the best thing to do is just talk, support, have a drink, coffee or water, tell your partner to have some time out, go and have a shower, lay down, look after the baby, even take the baby for a walk, give the mum some time because it's just, it's so much in your head after you've had a baby and the hormones and the, and the demands. Okay then, so the, the baby blues don't last very long and they aren't too serious. As I said in my opening remarks, uh, postnatal depression affects both new mums and new dads. I just want to focus on mums firstly. When are the symptoms of clinical postnatal depression most likely to reveal themselves? Well, any time. It can be the day after the birth. And I think for, you know, men listening to this, if you feel that your partner is a little different because you know and love her the most, if you feel there's something not quite right, you need to talk to the doctor or the health professional or talk to your partner first and say, you know, maybe we get some help early. We know if there's antenatal depression or anxiety, there's a very high chance that there's going to be postnatal. Yeah, right. So that then we rely on doctors and midwives caring for women in the antenatal period mm-hmm. to identify women and, and follow up with women who have had any antenatal depression or anxiety. Most hospitals, if they're like the public one we went through, yes. well, I remember I was actually asked to leave the room by our midwife and they wanted to have a separate chat with my partner and, and that covered a range of things. It's a list of things they have to go through. It's like domestic violence, but but it also covers postnatal depression. I think there was a questionnaire where they rate people's likelihood. The Inverse scale. Yeah. There's an Inverse scale. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the health system in all states and territories around Australia are pretty good at identifying yes. risk. Um, but even so, you can you can score perfectly on those charts, but still experience what we're talking about in this episode. So we'll give you pointers to the actual best resources at the end of this episode. Uh, I next wanted to ask, what, what are the main symptoms of postnatal depression? I think a lot of us hear these words and just assume it means oh, people will be a bit down in the dumps or they won't get out of bed. But w- w- there is a much greater spectrum of symptoms, isn't there? Oh, yeah. There's everything from consistent crying to not getting out of bed, not getting out of the house, to actually being out of the house all the time. And looking fantastic and actually being quite distant from the baby and partner. There's not a a digital image of what it looks like. It'd be bloody great if it could, but it really relies on expert doctors, midwives, maternal and child health nurses in the community because if you're asking the right question and working out what's sort of going on, let me tell you, the home visit is one of the most important visits a midwife can do because... You can see what's going on at home at some level. You know, you can sort of read the room. Interesting. But it's, I think as a as a mother and a father, there's no shame in it. It's about getting help. It's about saying, where can I get a lot of help? There's a lot of free help. And as far as being a midwife who visits and talks to women, it's on my mind all the time. How are you? How are you really going? 
how long does it last usually? Well, how long's a piece of string really? It's again, it's the level of anxiety and or depression. Some women might need some medication, and some women might actually need medication during pregnancy for anxiety and or depression. And what we do know is if you if you've treated anxiety and depression during pregnancy, you're actually going to be much better in the postnatal period because uh, having a medication ordered by a doctor or a psychiatrist and you're going to be monitored, we know that women actually do feel a lot better. Plus, when you put your hand up and say, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling anxious, everyone around you is, is aware too that you need some extra help. As I said, I think um, my partner was experiencing anxiety during pregnancy and was put on a drug to deal with it. And mm. we, had a, we had a really interesting conversation with her psychiatrist and a doctor because she was a bit concerned about the impact the drug might have on the fetus and the baby. And they put it really well, I thought. They said, well, there's, there's no real point having a sort of a perfectly healthy baby if the mother's in no state to care for it. it they yeah. said it's far more important for you to be in a good headspace, to Absolutely. be a good mum. That's the yeah. best thing you can do for your baby right now. Yes, of course, there's a slight chance the drugs will get into the, the barrier. Yeah, yeah, but not on a problematic level. And in terms of the trade-off, the trade-off, the balance of risk was so much greater on not treating my wife. Totally. So yeah. we felt very well briefed by the medical staff and we felt like it really did set us up to have a, um, a much rosier, forgive the pun, parenting experience. But how great's that? That that just is wonderful. I love hearing that because it's not that long ago where it just wouldn't even be discussed, let alone give a woman antidepressants, whereas now it does. Postnatal depression can range from mild sadness to paralysing depression resulting in suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. At that extreme end, how dangerous is it for the baby's well-being? Yeah, it's high. And when it's that level, mother and baby certainly need to be observed frequently. We have dedicated hospitals for women who have such bad depression in the postnatal period. So, the, so they'd, be, they'd be admitted into a special clinic where they're monitored? Yep. yep. And would the baby be with them or would the baby stay with the partner? No, no baby with as much as possible. But it, it can be an individual assessment. It depends on the hospital, but in most cases it's, it's important that the baby is, is with the mum. Entirely separate to postnatal depression is postnatal anxiety it's often called the hidden disorder or the, the invisible disorder. What are the symptoms of postnatal anxiety? Anxiety can be from absolutely freaking out about every medical test that's done during the pregnancy and wanting to be scanned every second day to make sure that the baby is alive and no one touching anything in the house. Like there's so many levels of anxiety. It's also that sleep deprivation, Chris, that we've mm. talked about. Sleep so important with women who have anxiety and or depression. It's important that they do have sleep and it can be managed in many ways, you know, whether they are admitted for care or the dad or the in-laws, mums come in. Now, 
I've looked after, one lady comes to mind and both the mothers, mother-in-law and mother stayed there. And the mum didn't get up overnight and the mothers tag teamed with the dad. And you know what? It was just a real little village helping her, you mm. know, and they often say, look, it does take a village to to raise a child. But that was really important that yeah. she could go to sleep knowing that her baby was safe, going to be fed and that she could sleep, you know, and it's not selfish. A message to the dads, you, you don't need the the mothers-in-law or the, the grandmothers there. Like That's something the man alone can step up and do. If, 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 if your partner's clearly suffering from sleep deprivation and you feel that's contributing to her anxiety, then please offer to give her a night off. Get, let her have a really good night's sleep while you either use formula or have pump some breast milk to be the feeder yeah. that night. Because yeah. even one good night's sleep for the mum can make a world of difference. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, talk about anxiety when, you know, there's mothers and mothers-in-law and, you know, someone doesn't like this, someone doesn't like her. And, uh, well, there's a recipe talking. for anxiety. Oh, my God. I'm like, I can remember one place. I'm like, oh, God, I'm in the middle of everyone, you know. Yeah. I'm like, everyone go to your corners, wash your face and come out smiling, the lot of you, because... This is the whole team. The the irony that you've sort of hinted at there is is worth rem- remembering though that it's sometimes the presence of relatives and unsolicited advice is what brings on the anxiety oh in the first place. Oh my god! Rather oh. than relieve it, yeah. It's the mother's. It's it's the mother's in law. Are you more likely to get postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety if you're predisposed to anxiety or depression in your life before the baby, or is there no correlation? Yes. Yes. No. There high, is a correlation. High yes. incidence, yeah. Right. And if you come into a pregnancy with anxiety, these days, obviously, I've seen so many women, I'd say in the last five years, openly saying, I have depression, I'm being treated, you know, I see my psychiatrist. I think it's just fabulous, you know, that we've got this conversation going and that women find that they feel comfortable because we've got enough information knowing that medication is safe for women. It's safer than someone being very unwell and not looking after mm. themselves. Can I just check, is the corollary true? If, if you have perfectly good mental health before having a baby, does that mean you, you're at no risk of getting no. postnatal depression? I think we're all at risk at some level, Chris, uh, men and women. And I think women, obviously, because of our our hormonal change, our body changing, breastfeeding and everything that goes with that, getting up and feeding a baby, pain with breastfeeding, sore nipples, bleeding, you know, image, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I think women obviously are more inclined to get depressed, but certainly there is male postnatal depression. Mm. Are there things you can do in the lead up to birth to help mentally prepare yourself for parenthood as a way of reducing the risk of postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety? Well, I think, um, you know, see a, a psychiatrist or see your GP or mention it to your midwife or doctor. And then if medication is required, the medical team will tell you that it is safe. And a lot of women in the past have never had medication, you know, because no one knew if this medication was safe enough for the baby. For the baby. Yeah. Um, but I think these days we've got great agencies and we're all alert. And as medical people, we are trained and we have to have ongoing professional development and certainly about anxiety and depression, making sure that we're always aware of 
what is the latest and how to talk and approach and help new parents. This isn't just about mums. Dads also experience these things. I said at the top of the show, yeah. one, in, one in 10 new dads will experience postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety. We don't, we don't hear about it as much, do we? Do you think no. dads need to be more honest oh, yeah. about their struggles? Well, I think we, as a community, we need to be more aware. And as a professional, when you see a change of behaviour or different behaviour, you know, sometimes you think, oh, that's a bit strange. Yeah, it's it's about having the confidence as a medical practitioner to talk to the dad and see because their body hasn't changed and being sleep deprived just because, I mean, when you have a baby, sleep deprivation and then working is pretty tough for men. And for men listening, there is a lot of help for men as far as online, um, local government, Australian government, support lines. Yeah, it's almost when you see how many different resources there are, it, it's like that's almost a little snapshot of how big the problem is. Because it's, it's totally. not just like one place you can go. There's like 10. Uh, yeah, so it's that, that's sort of emblematic, I think, of how serious this issue is. Yeah. Do dads get these disorders as bad as new mums or, or dad's symptoms slightly milder? Yeah, different and... Um but, you know, as relevant, isn't it? Depression or anxiety, it's it's a personal experience. So men, I would say, have different feelings. And also that feeling, I presume a, a lot of men would have, is that that feeling of helplessness, that especially when you're watching your partner in labour, you can't do anything. And then trying to sleep, one couple comes to mind that their baby was born with a, a health problem. And the father, managing that tragedy, he just went to bed. He just he just went to bed. It's the only way he could deal with it. Just go to bed right. and and sleep. Everyone deals with change and and anxiety and depression in a very different way. But it's about having that conversation and, and talking to people and finding agencies that are available. You know, and also when people experience a loss, whether it's a, a miscarriage or a fetal death or a stillborn or a neonatal death, when you've got the anxiety of pregnancy plus a death of a child, it's huge. Yeah. Throughout this episode, Kath has mentioned that, you know, the resources available such as, first of all, seeing a GP or seeing a local psychologist or counsellor. The Gidget Foundation Australia also offers amazing support services for any parents feeling overwhelmed, stressed or depressed, as does Beyond Blue. We'll include further links in the notes for this program and please note too the lifeline number is 13 11 14. Join us next time for our final episode, Kath, when we, uh, we take a look at grandfathers and the joyful role they can play in the life of a newborn. So that's next time on... Birth Baby and Beyond. This has been Birth Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth. And music by Matt Nikolich. <laughs>